Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot were to say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear were to say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honourable, we clothe with greater honour, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honour to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Very good morning to you. Let's pray together. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Heavenly Father, make this a greater reality in our lives that we may understand the mystery that we are together the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Please keep up uh, that Bible reading in front of you. If you've got your Bible, page 170, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to begin this morning by thinking about this word fellowship. As Mark said, we're in a series looking at Acts 2 verse 42, that saying from the first church they devoted themselves to four things. The apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And so today we're thinking about this word fellowship from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and page 170. Now what do you think of when you hear the word fellowship? If you've been in churches for some time, you'll probably think of tea and coffee and the opportunity to have fellowship together, which often probably just involves chatting about anything that you want to talk about. You'll know too as a Christian, I'm sure though, the bonds of fellowship that exist between Christians. I was talking to one couple in this congregation this week and they said they've travelled all over the world skiing on Christian holidays. And they said the bonds of fellowship they've experienced there and known there are very, very precious to them. Fellowship. If we think outside the church, what does the word fellowship conjure up? Well, probably the Lord of the Rings. J.I.R. Tolkien's first of his trilogy, The Fellowship of the Ring. Do you remember that? The Fellowship of the Ring. I was reading this week, also known as The Company of the Ring, with Gandalf and the Hobbits and Legolas all trying to defeat the evil Sauron. They were the fellowship of the ring, the group together. And if you then look at the dictionary for the word fellowship, it describes it as a company of people that share the same interest or aim. 
a friendly association. And so this word fellowship, it's about friendship, it's about being a company together, it's about sharing an aim. And then when we look at the Bible, the word fellowship, it is about this sharing, this participation in a life together, this being members together. And the mystery is that this membership, this sharing, this fellowship in the New Testament, again and again is described as what? As the body. The body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. That's what Paul says in verse 27. So I want us to think about this together today. And I think this one simple picture, but profound picture, that we are together, the body of Christ, has the power to change how we think about ourselves, how we think about one another, and how we think about God. Because we are together the body of Christ. Have a listen again. Verse 12 and 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Did you hear the repeated word again and again there? One, one body, one body, one body, one spirit, one spirit. Five times Paul says that we are one. Think about your body this morning. I know January is probably a time when many of us are a little bit more body conscious after Christmas. Think about your body this morning. One body. Here's one example in front of you. There's those to the sides of you. There's yourself. One body. Many members. Hands, feet, eyes, ears. And what does Paul say? Do you see at verse 12? So it is with the church. Except he doesn't say that, does he? Have a look down, verse 12. So it is with Christ. That's the mystery. Christ has one body. He's ascended in heaven at the Father's side. He's got his wounded hands and feet still, those scars of love that speak for us of forgiveness and grace and love and healing. And yet Christ, it says, on earth has one body. We are the hands and feet of Christ. Christ has one body but many parts, and you and I are part of it. That's who we are. Do you remember on the road to Damascus, Paul, the writer of this letter, was Saul then, and he was persecuting Christians, he was killing Christians. And do you remember what the voice from heaven said to Saul? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now Saul was persecuting, killing Christians. He wasn't persecuting and, and killing Jesus. Jesus had already died, risen, gone to heaven. But such is the union, such is the bond, such is the partnership between Christ and the church. But to persecute the body, to persecute the church, is to persecute Christ. Christ is the head and we are the body. I've had lots of football injuries over the years. I think my first one was when I was 11. I missed the school cup final in Warrington. We lost. And my ankle was throbbing for days. It was the sort of thing as a schoolboy, which was brilliant. Because when I was poorly, my mum said, you're not allowed to do anything fun. You just have to lie at home and be poorly. But when I had a bad ankle, I was allowed to be happy, and mum would have to wait on me hand and foot. And I didn't used to say necessarily my ankle was injured. I'd say I was injured. Something had happened to my foot, and the whole of me was affected. Why? Because we're one body. Christ is one body and many members. 
Verse 27, when Paul summarizes it, what does he say? You are the body of Christ. And this is the greatest love story ever told. That Christ would leave heaven and earth to get a body, to have a body, to become human. And then that his own body would be broken and torn apart and shed on a cross so that you and I can become his body. We are together one body. And it's this love that God wants to bind us and bond us to each other. It's this love that grows a fellowship together. And so we are one body. And as I've got to know this church family a little bit over the last few months, I want to celebrate that with you. We've only been here since June, but I've seen this one body in action. Someone is bereaved, and others come to their aid and care. Someone is in hospital, and others take care of the children. Some of us are down and lonely and depressed, and others speak a word of comfort or are there alongside us. Some of us are aging and struggling, and others of us help and care. I think of Roland, our dear associate vicar, and all the troubles he's had with his shoulder, and how people have organized a dog rotor, and cleaning, and cooking for Roland and Caroline. This is incredible. This is something of the expression of who we are, one body in Christ and many members joining together. And it's the ideal picture, it's the, the hope of what the church will be. But in Corinth, as today, that hope is not always realized. Some of us here today will be bruised and battered by the church. We'll be disappointed, we'll have regrets, we'll have times in life here at this church or others where we've been disappointing, we've been let down. And yet, this is the picture God gives us. This is why we feel let down sometimes, because because the picture of what the church is meant to be is glorious, one body together. And so let me say, this changes how we think about church. If we are one body, church isn't primarily something we attend for that one hour or one hour ten if the preacher goes on on a Sunday morning. Church is something we are. We are the body of Christ. And church is rightly often described as a family, isn't it? We've been singing, I am a child of God. But families can grow distant. They can break down. Families can separate. But we're not only a family together, we are the body of Christ. We are joined to one another. We are dependent upon each other. We belong to each other and we need each other. And so for the rest of my time, I want us to think about what this means then in two categories. You'll see it in the verses. Verse 15. Do you see what some people say in the body? I don't belong. Maybe some of us feel like that, like I don't actually belong. Maybe you're here for the first time and you really feel like you don't belong. Maybe you've been here decades and you feel like you don't belong. Have a listen, verse 15. If if the foot were to say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear were to say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. It's crazy to think like this. But God knows that sometimes some of us do think like this. Because I'm not like that person, because I haven't got those gifts, because I'm not like that, because I'm not them, then I don't belong. But Paul 
uses words that I think we're meant to smile and laugh at. Have a listen, verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Can you imagine if I'd walked into church this morning and was just one giant eye? I'd be able to see you. I wouldn't be able to do much else. Can you imagine if you were just a sense of smell, just a gigantic nose today? How do you think you'd get on walking home with just your smell? It's meant to make us giggle. And so the church has been given what? Different gifts. That's the context in Corinthians. Corinthians chapter 12 to 14. All these different gifts. And in fact, they're all fighting about who's most important, who's the best, and who's the greatest. Paul says, no, we're all part of the body. You can't say to your hand, I don't need you because you're a foot. And so this means we all have a part to play. Verse 18, have a listen. But as it is, God... God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. I don't know what some of your highlights were over Christmas. Mine was finally seeing the animation of Charlie Mackesy's book. Did you watch that on Christmas Eve? The boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. I have to look it up so I get it in the right order. And this is what he says. This is what the horse says to the boy. Always remember you matter. You are important. And you are loved. And you bring to this world things no one else can. Charlie Mackis, he's a Christian. And he's echoing here something of God and his love for us. Something of the reality that we all belong. We all matter. We all have something to contribute to this church. Because we're all parts of the body. And so a great question for us to ask and to consider and ask of other people who know us better is what do we bring to this church? What can I bring? To ask that of yourself. And Rebecca and I have been part of smaller churches for about 10 years. So we've actually found it quite difficult to get to know a bigger church here. It's quite challenging, even for me at the front, to begin to get to know people and and work out how you fit in and how you contribute. But ask yourself the question, how do I play my part here? What is it that I can do? Is it a conversation with someone else? Is it a listening ear to someone going through a difficult time? Is it looking after the kids when others are struggling and parents are exhausted? Is it caring for someone bereaved? Is it being on the coffee rotor and the AV and the sound desk and on the music? What is it in your home groups? How is it that you can contribute to that place? It's one of the reasons home groups are so helpful. Rebecca and I aren't in one yet, but it's hard in a big group here to be really getting to know people and being a part of it and feeling like you belong somehow. But I went to a home group last week. It was lovely to see how over time and over the years they have grown together as the body of Christ, contributing, sharing, caring, listening, loving, looking at the Bible together. And so, if you feel in some way sometimes like you don't belong, you need to think about the body. But secondly, sometimes some of us think, I don't need you. Have a listen, have a look down, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. If the I don't belong is about sort of having an inferiority complex or an insecurity, 
The I don't need you is the sort of proud, superior attitude. And God knows that sometimes, for some of us, this is what we're like. And if you're anything like me, you can sometimes be a mixture of the two. Sometimes you think I don't belong, and sometimes you think I don't need you. In fact, for me, I remember at university, I was at the University of York studying history, and I remember if I can summarize my four years of university, it was a progressive story of thinking and acting towards other Christians as though I don't need you. I had lots of friends, I played football for the university, and so on and so on, and I kept thinking, I don't need Christians, I don't need the church, I don't need to go to church, I don't need to be part of them. I was thinking about the Christian Union. I don't need them. They're sort of some holy huddle. They're a bit weird, these Christians. I don't need you. And you know what happens? Over time, over those four years, the more I said, I don't need you, the more I thought, I don't need you, the less and less I began to look like a Christian. And the more and more I lived and acted like all my, all my football friends. That's the sort of place the attitude that says, I don't need you, can get in an extreme situation. Christians are like coals in a fire. Do you know that illustration? The coals are all in the fire. We're all in the fire together, all the body of Christ. You take one coal out, what happens? It gets cold. It gets hard. It loses its life. And it's interesting to think about this theme of fellowship and one body several years after the pandemic. We still feel the effects, don't we? Some of us physically know family and friends for whom long COVID is a very real and debilitating experience day after day after day. But actually, all of us probably have become more individualistic. Our world in many ways got smaller. I was talking to someone this week at church, and she said, actually, COVID made us all narrower. Do you remember? You had to choose your bubble. The rule of six, watching church online. In the West, we're all prone towards individualism, but actually, COVID made us more so. There were things about COVID in that time that some of us appreciated. There's a bit more space, time for family, things like that. But actually many of us, myself included, we, we've become narrower. And these words remind us that I need you and you need me. Mark often talks about rebuilding all saints. And there's no comment on what's gone before. It's simply the reality of a global, global pandemic and an interregnum for 18 months. And so what will it mean for you to play your part in this church? We are one body. I need you, and you need me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German martyr at the time of the Second World War, he said famously that the Christ in me is weak. But the Christ in my brother, the Christ in my sister is strong. What he meant is we need each other. When Paul talks about the body in Ephesians, he says the one job Christians are to do is to speak the truth in love to one another. I need you to do that for me. I need to hear that. And we will each need to hear that and to experience that in our lives in words from others and in deeds. A Christian cannot be a church of one. Zoom and online has shown us this. We are the body of Christ. And so, verse 25, we care for one another. 
as Christ has cared for us. We suffer with one another as Christ has suffered for us. And we rejoice with one another. I want to finish this morning with a poem. It's by a man called Dave Hopwood. Amongst other things, as an author and writer, he wrote the bloke's Bible. And he writes a poem called Body Parts, reflecting on these words. May we use it as a prayer. Some bits are visible, while some are plain unseen. Some heroic, others less, if you know what I mean. Whether liver, heels, legs or heart, we all play a vital part. Fingerprints or backs of hands, all necessary in God's great plan, all valued from the smile to the spleen, all parts of God's body, God's building, God's team. Some give, some help, some teach, some listen, some mend, some fix, some bake, some christen, some encourage, some lift up, some trust, some pray. Some are loud, some quiet, some sing, some say. We need the strong and the fast, the gentle and the small. Each one called to be part of us all. All valued, all gifted, whether seen or unseen. All parts of God's body, God's building, God's team. Amen.